Welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Ron. And this is our review of Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2, starring, and I mean in the loosest use of that term ever on this show, Eric Freeman, <laughs> James L. Newman, Elizabeth Catton, and the entire cast of Part 1 with Gene Miller as Mother Superior's lifeless corpse. Directed, edited, assembled by Lee Harry, released in 1987 on an alleged $250,000 budget. We'll talk about that. Grossed $154,000 at the box office. So what are we doing here? Well, it's time for some annual holiday trash, obviously always from Filmstrip. And to pull the curtain back a little bit, we started the year with a review of the Steven Spielberg West Side Story. But Lens and our friend Mike from Amateur Tours and I were actually recorded that in December. So the first thing we recorded in 2022 is Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toymaker. And by George, I was convinced that we needed to have a little synchronicity in this wacky year. So we're ending the year with a Silent Night, Deadly Night movie. And no, we're not doing the first one because we're kind of doing it tonight. If you've seen part two, you know what we mean. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wanted us to, to get into this one. What a better way to end the year than with this action. So, Lindsay, I assume you've never seen this before, right? This was this was brand new for you. Brand spanking new. Saw it, finished it about half an hour ago. <laughs> and Ron, I know this one's like in your rotation, like with me. You watch this <laughs> oftentimes. Yes, I have seen this one a few times. Uh, interestingly enough, well, two things, Jay. Before we get too far into my history, you introduced yourself wrong. I think you're. I think you should have introduced yourself as garbage, Jay. <laughs> that should that should have been it, right? <laughs> Uh, but I uh, mean, back that, when I that meme. Uh, that meme is great. It's my favorite meme. I'll talk about that uh, when I get the plot <laughs> summary. Um, but the reason why I first watched this movie was because I went to rent Silent Night, Deadly Night back when there were video stores. Uh, I used to have mm-hmm. a uh, uh, review website. I wanted to do some holiday trash, and I was like, "All right, let's do Silent Night, Deadly Night." That's a classic. I went to Wild and Woolly Video here in Louisville, the late lamented Wild and Woolly Video, and it was out because it was December and I'm stupid. That was out. <laughs> Christmas Evil was out. Anything, Santa's sleigh was out. So I was like, okay, fine. All right. Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Let's do this. And then as I watch it, I'm like, okay, so wait, looks like I don't have to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 at all. I've already seen it. Great. Yeah, so. not unless you need more framing devices. For the only thing you don't get is the the grandpa character in Silent Night Deadly Night One. That's that's worth it just for the YouTube. Like I think you watch that part of it. That's probably the only thing that's worth it out of that first movie. But yeah, um, I you know I again this was one that I think I knew of some of the jokes about it before I actually finally saw the whole thing and before there were memes of garbage day stuff. But I did, I watched this one back when I just marathoned all of them back when that Malcolm McDowell remake, when I, I referenced on something that the five was coming out and I, I finally got through all this one. And what I realized is like, I had seen parts of it here and there, 
through the years. But what I didn't realize was that much like I, I had praised Friday the 13th part four for if you don't ever want to see another Friday the 13th movie, if you just watch the fourth one, you kind of get all four of those first ones in, in that movie. And you probably get the best of whatever that series was going to be. This one's the same. You don't need to see part one. <laughs> you can just watch this and you get all you need because the story is they gave 200 grand to the, the writer, producer, editor of these things and said, look, we don't want to reach do another movie. We just reassemble the one we've got and we'll just re-release it because it got pulled from theaters over controversy. You know, the, the Santa killer, how dare the, you know, clutching of the pearls in 1984. And so th <laughs> these guys, though, were just determined, like, no, we're going to shoot another movie. So what you got was the basically the the framing device of the guy in the mental institution and then the, a couple of the flashback scenes and then the big ending which i guess we'll get to that's all they got had the money to reshoot but they just repurposed the rest of that and like it's so like it seems absurd but then again having watched a number of corman movies and golden globes movies and things through the years i'm like the idea that a studio would go like no just recut the other one like i i totally get that like it would be like going to poison before the open up and say our record that all the big hits on it every rose has a thorn talk dirty to me you know, no not talk dirty to me but uh fallen angel you know nothing but a good time and if they just told them after the talk dirty to me album look what the cat dragged in look just recut that and put it back out like that's sort of the same idea it's uh, Let's take your your existing piece of trash and just make it eh, less trashy and put it back out there. Like that, that is so amazing to me that they thought, yes, let's do that. And then the fact that these guys actually went through and came up with this—that's even more absurd. So I'm not really missing anything having not seen the first one. Is what you're saying? I mean. No, I mean, again, the grandpa is about it. And if you want to see my other superior, it'd be even more horrible to these two kids. But you can get the sense of how awful she was. You've literally seen the whole thing. Like, all okay. the all the stuff that matters, they they repurposed it. Yeah. You did get a reshot sex scene, because okay. the sex scene that Ricky talks about having seen where he bunched the two they got they couldn't get those actors back for whatever reason so they they redid it but it's just as gross as anything in part five and this one and we're gonna talk about the one in this movie when it comes up because this this series is just notorious for these things for gross sex scenes I yes mean, like, we figured that one out yeah just bad ones all along the way i have to ask though uh Lindsay, did brian make it through any portion of this movie with you at all he made it through the entirety. Wow. <laughs> and I I don't know why or how. <laughs> but I mean, because he definitely did not enjoy any bit of it. <laughs> I, I mean, and I was like, you, you don't you don't have to do this. And he was like, no. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he thought it was going to get better. And I was like, I don't know if it is. I'll tell you why, because Buffy said it years ago, love makes you do the wacky. So it, it does, but he did. He sat and then we had a nice discussion after about like, dude, there were so many questions for both of us, but he was like, why Brian's famous trope? Why, why can't you guys just pick a good movie? <laughs> Which he knows that we do. <laughs> we, we do. We, we've done some things, but uh, yeah. I no, mean, no, I said, you know what? Honestly, it's just because it's fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. way more fun. 
Yeah, these these kind of things are always more fun to get into, and especially this time of year. Like you, you know, we got we got to have some good holiday trash. Like it wouldn't be this show if we didn't didn't try to go down this road. And Ron, I think you and I have talked about doing Silent Night Deadly Night movies forever, and this one specifically. Like this was one we wanted to get to, and we just did part five in the randomness of January. But uh, a new part two was coming up at some point. Yeah. Uh- this was uh, on the long list of things I wanted us to do on this podcast, and it was on the long list of things I wanted Tis the Podcast to do, and I was actually lucky enough to get to be on Tis the Podcast to talk about Silent Night, Dead the Night 1. So if we ever actually go back and cover it on this show, although we don't really have to, I'll have to come up with some, a whole bunch of new stuff to talk about. But I, I'm <laughs> sure that's definitely possible, because uh, this I, I movie the- is like a, an onion, and there are just layer upon, there's layer upon layer of insanity. There is. I can't wait to hear all of your and Brian's questions, Lindsay. <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm going to learn so much. I actually showed him. I was like, I don't know. You might want to be on this show, Brian. And he was like, I don't know if I have anything good to say. <laughs> I was like, that, that's why you should be on it. <laughs> but but I'll, I'll speak. I'll speak. Uh, I'll give you a few fun quotes from him as we get to them. <laughs> when, cool if it comes idea. up. Yeah. I, I honestly, we'll, we'll talk about your know, future iterations of this, where we could go. But Ron, I do think it is time for uh, our annual holiday plot summary of doom <laughs> from you to see if you can, you can bring forth your, <laughs> a wisdom and wit of word to describe the plot of Silent Night Deadly Night Part Two. So please go, sir. It will be my it will be my holiday present to the world, Jay. Okay. Did you see the first Silent Night Deadly Night? If not, no worries. Silent Night Deadly Night Two spends the first forty five minutes or so recounting the plot of the first movie from the point of view of Ricky, the brother of Billy, who was the original killer. It's basically your standard flashback recap uh, featuring occasional voiceovers by a guy who sounds like he was rejected by the kids in the hall for being too hammy. (laughs) Don't worry about missing anything. It features every good kill and boob from the first movie. Ostensibly, Ricky's getting interviewed by a psychiatrist, Dr. Henry Bloom. That's mostly because they paid for the rights to the first movie and they're going to use every single frame of topless Linnea Quigley that they have. (laughs) Once they run out of stuff from the first movie, Ricky tells his own story. Adopted by a nice Jewish couple, he had a good life, but his Christmas-related trauma never quite healed. Like a bull, he hates the color red. Like a Catholic, he's deathly afraid of nuns. (laughs) After the death of his father, Ricky spirals out of control, haunted by the memory of his brother calling everyone naughty all the time. Sure, he kills a few people, but they mostly deserve it, so it's okay, right? Seems pretty nice to me. Anyway, it kind of seems like Ricky might make it out okay. He starts dating a nice girl named Jennifer. They go out on dates. He actually gets to have sex, and he doesn't freak out, unlike his brother. But when he finds out that Jennifer wasn't a virgin, after a pretty convenient meet uncute with her ex-boyfriend, Chip, (laughs) Ricky flies off the handle. He kills Chip with jumper cables, which make his eyes explode in what was probably the most expensive thing in the movie. This freaks Jennifer out who tells Ricky that she hates him. Her attempt to escape only gets her strangled by a handy car antenna. Remember those kids? The (laughs) big metal car antennas you could snap off and beat or strangle someone with? Well, Ricky does, because he used it to kill. He gets confronted by a cop who kind of looks like a night watchman with a gun, but he takes the guy's gun and kills him. Then he goes on a rampage, just shooting random people in the neighborhood. 
including the famous Garbage Day gif I love so much. Ricky is stopped by more cops, who look like actual cops, but this attempt to suicide himself by cop fails because he's out of bullets. So Ricky ends up in the mental institution, talking to Dr. Bloom. Or so we think. Turns out, Ricky has killed Dr. Bloom with his own audio tape, which I'm sure is how Phil Spector always thought he was going to die. Ricky escapes from Smith's Grove 2 and kills the Salvation Army Santa for his costume. Now it's time to track down Mother Superior and get some revenge for his brother. Smith's Grove 2, you say? (laughs) (laughs) Ricky tracks down the old nun and chases her through the house, but it seems like Mother S manages to avoid death when the police arrive along with the nice nun from the orphanage. Not so fast, my friends. A touch of her arm leads to the severed head of the nun falling off of her body in what must have been the second most expensive shot of the movie. Ricky leaps <laughs> the frame of the axe. Why have it when you're decapitated? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>, sorry. <laughs> Ricky leaps into frame with an axe ready to kill, but the cops shoot him repeatedly and he crashes through a patio door and out onto the lanai, knocking over a cheesecake and ruining the night of the Golden Girls. (laughs) The police officer tells the nice nun, he's gone, sister. It's over. But it's not over! Jump scare, a tight close-up of Mother Superior's severed head. Screaming! Ricky opens his eyes and smiles! He survived the Alex Murphy starter kit! (laughs) (laughs) No, you did not just drop that We get some more stock footage from the first movie, plunging a knife into the screen as credits roll. Oh, that bravo, sir. (laughs) Thank you. uh, That was a present worth waiting for all year, I gotta tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Where to even start (laughs) with with this thing? Um, I, I gotta say, horror movies are often known for their dramatic maybe even melodramatic scores but the silent night deadly night movies are like let's take the cheesiest like proto lifetime bad love gone wrong music and stick it on a horror movie like the 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 unbelievable sounds of the piano clanging that they throw into this movie i mean i know they had like five dollars for this so it's just whatever they could come up with but I, I'm blown away by like how the score absolutely does not fit this movie in any way at all. It does feel very much like a Molly Ringwald is a, a teenage girl that's getting picked on or something kind of movie. Like it's not, it's not a horror movie score at all. They're playing the entire score like on their church piano. Yes, yes, it's very church now, piano. Now, is it a church piano or is it just an old piano they found in the dump? I mean, also <laughs> fair. <laughs> it could be any of those things. You know what this movie needs, Jay? It needs a catchy theme song. It needs something to elevate it above, um, you know, Christmas Evil. It needs like a Silent Night, Deadly Night version of New Year's Evil, the yes. New Year's Evil theme. Yes, it does. It needs a band like that to make that song, uh, which is half of what makes that movie fun. It's that, that unbelievable song, but. People can listen to that in the archives of both this show and his the podcast. I think we did it both times on those shows. We sure did. And and you know what? If Jerry wants to do it on Totally Rad Christmas, I will be right there. 
Jerry, I'm, I'm right there behind him. Lindsay, you got to come along for this one because you've missed it twice now with us. So you've got to do New Year's Evil. But uh, I will come along for the ride for sure. Yes. So let, let's get into this though. R- Ricky's in the Smith's Grove too, as you say, <laughs> the Smith's Grove here. Um, well, just device. just think about it, Jay. When do they always start messing with Michael Myers? Halloween. When are they right. messing with Ricky? Christmas Eve. What kind of what kind of anybody's working on Christmas Eve? Even uh-uh. even Jewish people aren't going to work on Christmas Eve because it's a day off and everybody needs a day off. Yeah, I feel like I need to stick mm-hmm. up for our friend April here, who is who is incredibly Jewish. I, mean, I shouldn't say incredibly. Is, is is our Jewish friend? That sounds bad too. I'll stand, <laughs> I need to stick up for our our Jewish <laughs> podcast friend uh, April here. Um, as a Jewish person who celebrates Christmas in a very big way, um, I think she would be offended by the fact that the stereotype here is that the Jews don't do Christmas. That's not necessarily true. They just don't do it as the religious holiday that some of the Christians do, and not all of us Christians do that, by the way. So I, yeah, I I thought that was. Um, uh, not fair, but uh, you know, if we're going to start dinging these movies for not being fair to the groups that they're offending, I mean, come on, we're we're already behind the eight ball on that one uh, with, <laughs> with this. No, I love how we get like this whole like story for this doctor though too. Like, you got any kids, doc? You know, and people can't see, but I'm making my eyebrows dance like Eric Freeman's, um, and because <laughs> those caterpillars, babe, they were jumping. He's from but, North Carolina. He's not Canadian at all. I feel lied I to. Oh, I know. I, I do too. I can't believe that. But uh, no, I, I, the, he's didn't well, tell me about your life, Doc. You, it's just him and his wife, a couple dogs. You know, like no, you know the, all this stuff. I'm like, well, why do I care about this doctor? I don't even know who he is. I didn't know he had a name. That you said it in the plot summary. I was like, he's Doctor So and So. You know, he's Doctor Ready to Get Strangled because <laughs> I knew he was going to get killed. I just forgot how. And uh, I mean, death by half inch tape. I mean, sure. I I'm not sure it would hold up, but okay. That's not even half inch tape. It's like, uh, it's like eight track tape. Oh, true. Yeah, it's not even, not even that good. Yeah. So it's um, I don't know. It's it's funny to to think about this, but we have to have some way because they realize it's like, well, in that first movie, and Lens, I'll just get to clue you on this. The thirty five okay. minutes you see of the, the first movie in this are the thirty five minutes to see outside of like the two minutes of Grandpa. So. They picked the best of that and they realized, okay, we got to pad this out to 80 minutes. So what do, how can we do this? Slow explanations in <laughs> hospital are the way to go. It was very, very slow. <laughs> oh, I punctuated by a number of eyebrow movements. So slow speak plus eyebrows equals 80 minutes, I guess, ish, 88. I think 83. I don't remember the exact time, but hour and a half. Very slow end credits roll. Yeah. (laughs) Very slow end credits roll. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think the 45 minutes or so of this movie that's an original movie is actually pretty fun. Just going to throw that out there. I mean, it, I'll give it this. It, it's an interesting choice to go, you know what? Let's make our protagonist the younger brother. Okay, sure. Like, I can buy that. It's kind of, you know, it's a little Friday the 13th, but, you know, sure, we'll go with that. Jason wasn't really around to see his mother do all the horrible stuff, but sure. But Ricky's having vivid, vivid memories of things <laughs> that he was either a baby for or wasn't there for. And I'm like, it wasn't like Billy got him off to the side to go like, let me tell you how I murdered the topless chick with the deer antlers. And all this stuff. Like, he had no idea any of that happens. And he's recounting it as if someone has told it to him. The thing you don't do with the disturbed person is say, let me tell you how your brother murdered all these people. 
Like that's not that's not an episode of NYPD Blue. Like they don't do that. <laughs> so that's the the amazing leap of leaps that this movie is asking the audience to take as well. The protagonist is a character you met before, but he's got a completely different recollection of the world that you saw, but it's exactly what happened last time. Like I'm, I don't know of another movie play book story, half-ass thing written in a fifth grade class where somebody tried to pull that off, but it's a bold choice. We actually paused the movie halfway through to discuss this very thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm trying to make sense of it to at least the point where I can suspend enough disbelief to continue enjoying the movie. So my thought was, even if he didn't know all the details, it surely was in the local newspaper And he surely would have heard about it from some source, right? So maybe he's filling in all of the blanks from that just because he knew his brother. Or maybe he is just psychotic and lying about it all. And these are memories that he actually thinks occurred. But one big question I have, his older brother, uh, Billy, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. All of his murders, did they take place? in just the one night on Christmas Eve, or was it like a montage of multiple nights? It was Christmas Eve. Okay. So he he really couldn't have told Ricky any of this then. No, no. He he didn't even see Ricky that day until the very end when he's shot. Well, Brian can give me a big fat I told you so then, because I was like, (laughs) no, this surely wasn't just one night. This had to be. It was all like, like, multiple nights. Like, like Santa Claus, Billy got all of his tasks done in just one night. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah Billy Billy got busy after the toy store went down. Yeah. <laughs> really busy. Yeah. It was a it was it was a long night and wherever the heck this like is. the real Santa up all night. Yeah. Lene Klugler were hung off the antlers with care. <laughs> Billy Caldwell soon would be there. <laughs> Oh, well, how'd the plot summary not become just that, <laughs> by the way? Because I tried that, and it was really way too hard to keep that uh, Clement Moore dog I mean, going. Fair, because the people in this movie probably thought about that, and they're like, nah, we get time for that. So, Mother um, Superior in her wheelchair, and I with my axe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it could go on, but... But no, I I I love that the the idea of the the vivid memories again of stuff that he was not even there for or whatever. But the thing you got to know about the first movie is if, if you didn't know this, you would get the sense that like Mother Superior was horrible to these two kids, and she was a pretty horrible person. Like she was very hateful about Christmas to children that had no families at all, which is kind of a why would this person be in charge of that? But okay, but. She actually in the first movie, like she, like they were relentlessly bad and awful to Billy. But Ricky got a pass. Like everybody loved Ricky. I mean, he was the sweet kid. Everybody liked him. So I don't know why he's going like I friggin' hated that place. Those nuns were awful. F them. And I'm like, bro, are you just 
evil to the core already because they were good to him in the first one that's that's the the change in this movie we, we, oh we'll get i i wrote like basically an entire fan fiction version of this movie in like the 15 minutes between finishing and starting this podcast so. oh, please do tell what, what was your version <laughs> of this because i kind of know <laughs> this is how i made sense of everything i was like you know they could have just twisted a few little things and everything would have tied together so nicely and the big thing, and we'll get to some of these details, but the big thing is Mother Superior is living in an apartment numbered 666, mm-hmm. and she's so mean, and she is the one influencing Billy to murder all these people. And I was like, oh. And as I'm watching this movie for the first time, I'm thinking, oh, okay, they're satanic nuns. Duh. Of course, I should have saw that coming. And that was never, ever, like, given. And I feel like that would have made so much sense. And then maybe Ricky perhaps really did have this memory because maybe he's half demon and the nuns are, like, protecting him. I, Lindsay, I love this because it's very giallo, and that would have been such a much more interesting movie <laughs> if we had gotten any kind of thought like that. So that's my version All of right. this movie. All right, let's make this uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 6 slash The Omen 4 thing happen. Yes. <laughs> I really like no, this idea. No, Ron, it's Silent Night, Deadly Night 666. Yes! <laughs> you gotta Perfect. lean into this. Nice. Uh, look, uh, the curse of Mother Superior. Um, I uh, <laughs> producer's cut, uh, but no, I, I, I really, um, the, the, I mean, I, we've all seen the evil Catholic nun in the movie, you know, somewhere along the way, right? This woman, in every iteration, both actresses they get to play her. It's like the worst mommy dearest um, thing going on. <laughs> she is all, I see all of this greed when there should be gratitude. I'm like, it's Christmas day for a bunch of orphans, lady. <laughs> Let them open up a basketball. You know, <laughs> it's, oh, it, she is up. But you know, you knew the people that like put her in that apartment hate her though, because they put her in an upstairs apartment with stairs in it with no lift. And she's in a wheelchair. <laughs> They're like, screw you, figure it out, Mother Superior. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't even get that uh, Mrs. Deagle lift from Gremlins. No, she didn't have anything. <laughs> So I, which I mean, I'm sure it was just like a somewhere along the way. They're like, "Hey, man, like, there's nowhere. Like, is he just gonna push her down the stairs? Why is the nun in the wheelchair upstairs? Don't worry about it. It'll look cool. We'll <laughs> give her another wheelchair at the bottom. It'll be fine. Right? He'll actually get stuck in the first wheelchair. Sure. So I mean, he had a fall that a 20 year old wouldn't get back up from. Like, I don't understand. Explain to me what happened to her face too at the end of this that's movie. another big question she's got donald mind. pleasant's face from halloween four and five but i'm like i don't remember a fire i just heard something about a stroke in like an offline somebody told i think that's just her uh natural evil uh postulating <laughs> out of her face it's pazuzu coming out as well. yeah 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 that's it exactly Oh my goodness! So I do, I do love that this movie does take the time to cast four different people to play Ricky, the the original. Well, I guess five, the original baby, um, the kid that played him in the the uh, end of the first one's flashbacks, and then like the teenage version, which is kind of like John Cryer circa Superman four ish looking, um, when he just decides to 
rando murder two people that are making <laughs> out in the woods because uh, well I, I guess it's not rando we should say the triggering thing for ricky is that he saw his mother after his father got shot by the santa claus robber get murdered then raped or raped then murdered one or the other um in the street there and so anytime like a shirt is torn open on another woman he just loses his mind like the, and that was billy's trigger too is that that's what set him off Lindsay was and it and like, it wasn't just yeah. the shirt and it wasn't just the shirt being ripped open it was a match cut for match cut of the first attack from the first movie yes like they took the time to make that work exactly the same way so that he would go and lose it and i love how he runs over that that like 50 year old dude that's hanging out with that 25 year old woman in the jeep and then well he's got to kill her too you know and but then he just goes on about his day like that's the thing is like ricky has moments where he's sort of clear and he's cool and he gets the jewish step parents and like the nuns come around but they're like oh just ignore them that, that that's all fake anyway and so he's good for a long time then stepdad dies and then all of a sudden uh we get uh, you know the scene in the woods and it just triggers him off again and then he's normal as a dishwasher with a motorcycle before you know the <laughs> movie scene which we'll get to but i i don't know i i got a kick out of the fact that they bother to spend so much time in flashback scenes for him to have these moments of murder but i wanted to ask y'all did you did y'all need to see ricky do like a kid murder like i needed him to see like he need to kill somebody as a kid and then go dormant for a few years kill somebody as a teenager then go dormant and then be eric freeman on the spree i kind of felt like we needed the michael myers leveling up of murdering people like you need to murder some kid at school too i think i think that wouldn't have been a bad idea because it would have made him one better than his brother, right? His brother didn't murder anybody as a kid. He just kind of watched some uh, watched some randos through a pee, uh, through a keyhole and and got in trouble with some nuns. He didn't mm-hmm. actually do anything really terrible until he was an adult. I feel like if you're going to establish that uh, Ricky is just you know completely gone from from Jump Street, let's just go ahead and. He should have followed those nuns into that store and killed one of them or both of them. Right. Right. I could have, yeah. I could have bought that. I could have bought that too. Yeah. I could see the dormant. I mean, one thing you can say about Ricky and his, his brother is that they are staunch defenders of women in peril even though they murder a lot of women. Um, if, if somebody's in trouble, like, well, I'm going to kill that dude for you. Now I'm going to have to kill you afterward, but you're going to get the satisfaction of me murdering <laughs> Knowing that he's dead. That you're dead. You're going to know that I ran him over good. And then then it's on. But, but he didn't kill yeah. the woman after he ran over the uh, 53-year-old high school student or whatever. <laughs> because that, she yeah. said, thank you. And she, right. she didn't do anything wrong. That was polite. Yeah. She mm-hmm. she did just call the guy a pig, but like in like a cute way, but then he kept on and that was what was too much. And so mm-hmm. Ricky took him out just in case. But yeah, that uh I don't know. Um so Ricky's relationship with Jennifer. Um well let's just talk about the gross sex scene right now. Um it's not really a sex scene <laughs> as much as it's like and I've never been to one of these but what I imagine like if you take a college art life drawing class and you get two people to stand there naked with each other for a while. 
Because his hand is just kind of draped over her butt. She's sort of like sort of kissing his neck. And he's just sitting there looking sort of disinterested. I'm like, I've seen actors that look like they had no chemistry. Some look like they had a lot of chemistry in the sex scene. These people look like they didn't even know the other person was there. <laughs> that takes some work. I mean, it would have been, maybe he just didn't know what he was doing. Maybe that was his acting choice. I mean, he did say it was his first time and it was, he thought it was hers too. I'm like, bro, clearly it is not. <laughs> so, but, but what's funny to me is it, I mean, I know it's an 80s thing because if you watch the original Terminator or the original Highlander, the sex scenes are shot pretty much the same way. This blue light in the background and, you know, soft music and, you know, lots of caressing and stuff. But in those movies, there's a lot of like, I don't know, give and take for lack of a better way of saying it. And again, these are like two statues looking at each other the whole time. It's very, very strange. As opposed to like the, the ones in part five where we're like, oh, there's almost too much going on here. Yeah. Uh, Jay, you, can't, you can't compare an artist like Lee Henry to hacks like Jim Cameron and Russell Mulcahy. Come on. I mean, right. <laughs> Those guys never worked again, I bet. Oh, wait. Yeah, it was just very, um, I don't know. Again, I, I was blown away by just how stilted it all was. Um, but uh, maybe to go with your theory, Lindsay, since this is all in his head and he's just making it up anyway, maybe this is what he thought it looked like. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's hard to tell. Uh have either of you ever been to a movie theater that was as small as the one that they're allegedly in? No. I grew up in a very small town and we had a three theater movie theater. And even the small theaters to the left and right of the major one still had at least 20 seats, 30 seats in there. Like it was probably at least twice the size of the one that we saw. This is like an editor screening room, is what this. Yeah, was. this was tiny. Yeah, I went to the Nighthawk Theater in Brooklyn to see Mandy, and I went down like two flights of stairs into some sub basement, and that theater <laughs> was bigger than this theater. <laughs> I mean, there's it is the is the most interestingly populated theater too, and I'm gonna talk about the movie that's on in a second. But you've got Ricky and Jennifer. You've got just the random like oddly placed couple in between them and the people in the back you have this old guy and this really younger girl and at first i was like oh dad's taking daughter on the date nope his arms around her in a way that is very much not dad and daughter so yeah. something going on there and then you got the two hecklers in the background who are I, one is man I, it, he looked kind of like grady from nightmare on Elm street 2 ron if you, knew, you know what i'm talking about but the low rent version of that guy um and uh, if there's such a thing and I, I don't know, I, I just I was just amused by it because I was having flashbacks to the MRI scene of after last season and thinking, <laughs> oh, the inspiration has revealed itself after all these years. I really believe that the old guy uh, was one of the uh, producers, in quote, meaning he's the dentist who wrote him a check for $50,000. <laughs> Gotta be. <laughs> Gotta be. I'm like, hey, yeah, be in this movie. Yeah, you can bring your much younger mistress. It's all good. Nobody's going to see it, bro. It's totally safe. <laughs> so. And then only to be topped by the fact that Chip, the ex-boyfriend, is there with his uh, rich sugar mama girlfriend, as it were. But first off, though, 
did did y'all catch like this this movie was trying to be like proto scream meta like or proto new nightmare meta too because the movie they're watching is silent night deadly night what <laughs> i did not catch that at all yeah, but you haven't seen the That's true. the first one. You yeah. didn't get the um, the immediate musical cue because, like, they literally are just playing the soundtrack to the first movie uh, diegetically in the scene while the people are talking. Uh, yeah, like it's <laughs> not looped over later, Lizzie. It's like they had a boombox off to the side. And they just <laughs> that That's what's happened. I remember the tape on the reel to reel is probably the soundtrack. <laughs> Actually, I think you were onto something when you called it the uh, producer screening room. I feel like that's what they did. They went in a screening room. They got the six people they could fit in there, and then they just showed their own movie that they bought the rights to. I mean, you really did look like that is exactly what was going on. But um, okay, I, now I, we were all in high school once, and, and high school drama relationships are a lot of fun. I've never had someone uh, come up to me and do the whole peekaboo thing from behind and then proceed to have this incredibly loud conversation with me in a theater about our skeezy relationship. Uh, uh, Lindsay, has that ever been an occurrence for you? Has, has Chip in your life ever come back and be like, hey? No. <laughs> not, not even close. Um, I mean, I guess not in high school anyway. There was like a couple weirdos you know in college and shortly after but like i mean no one ever came up behind me in a theater and said peekaboo or put the hands over my eyes no one's ever done that to me actually as far as i remember yeah i i was uh i was amused by chip because the minute you meet him you're like oh dead meat it's gonna happen like you oh, know for he's sure gonna die, right and no but, one's sorry when it happens but no no he's a complete skis but he is like what I think these producers were were looking at at the time, and you got to look at what the movies were happening at the time. They're like, we got to have some yuppie asshole in this movie. Oh, for because, sure. And he is, man, he is proto William Zabka if there ever was one. I just called him John Cryer <laughs> earlier, but he he's got a lot of Billy Zabka going on, <laughs> at least in the way he acts. Yeah. Uh, so does anybody know Judge Reinhold or someone who kind of like is like Judge Reinhold or? Yes. Uh, uh, might have seen a Judge Reinhold movie. No, uh, it's maybe a foot shorter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does Billy Zabka have like a n- untalented cousin? Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll go with that guy. We'll go with Dave <laughs> Zabka. Yes. I don't even know who this guy is. It doesn't matter uh, because it's uh, yeah. I mean, well, I, Ken Weichart, whoever you are, email us filmstrappodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to talk to you about any memory you may have of this movie. I can't imagine you have any, but okay. Um, but <laughs> we we got to say though, like Ricky's violent tendencies have started to come out before this all goes down before he figures out what's going on here right because he's getting two times basically he's going to find out about it in the next scene but he talks about like watching some loan shark shake so as he says it's some squirrel getting its nuts squeezed in the, <laughs> in the, the lobby and he kills the guy in like pure batman villain mode where he shoves an umbrella through him and opens it i was like oh that's wow that's like some friday 13 7 shit right there that's pretty good and apparently just, the MPAA made him cut it because there was too much fake liver hanging off of the damn umbrella. He just needed to do like the uh, Burgess Meredith uh, penguin laugh from the Batman 66. The, nah, 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 I mean, nah. does he not? I mean, he kind of does. 
Nobody's happier to be on a murder spree than good old uh, than a uh, good old uh, Ricky because he's just like laughing and laughing and laughing. He takes oh, so much man. joy. That is he, his piece. He really he enjoys. <laughs> He's just having a day and, and we're just we're just part of it. It's wonderful. I will say it was having seen Silent Night Deadly Night 5 first when we recorded it in January um put me in a bad place for this movie. <laughs> because I was expecting so much like better special effects, I guess. <laughs> and so I was like the first few, you know, murders, blood scenes. I was like, oh, it'll it'll probably ramp up. You know, I'm sure we'll get more. (laughs) There was a lot of good stuff in in Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. And then the umbrella scene happens. And I was like, okay, here we go. It's starting. And then, and then I noticed the umbrella, like that blood was polyed on to that umbrella. It was <laughs> raining all over it and it just stayed. The blood didn't drip. It was like spray painted on. Probably was spray painted. It might have been. I mean, like I said, the MPA made them cut the scene because yeah. there was a liver hanging Well, that's what I'm saying. If if they had been able to keep that, like that might have that might have changed it a little bit, but that was that's why I was like, I am in the unfortunate disposition or fortune i don't know of of having seen having seen the fifth one first i guess the first one one. the blood the blood in the first one flows clearly throughout the whole movie like it's a good like a lot of good the gore ramps the whole time through this one that clearly was like the mass effect and then after that they had no money for effects because they're about to do the electrocution of chip and I think the three of us, blindfolded and drunk, could probably make better paper mache faces. Than <laughs> like I was going back to Escape from Alcatraz, not the Clint Eastwood movie, but where the actual guys plunged to their death in the water and the kind of heads that they historically found that they were using to escape from Alcatraz. That's what that looked like to me. That was an amazing thing to kill that guy with jumper cables. Um, yeah. I did like the exploding eyeballs that that did make yeah. me very happy. That was that that was that was a nice touch. I did appreciate that. I mean, you knew he needed to die like bad, right? Like he was going to have to get it real bad. Yeah, but based on the movie up to that point, I wasn't expecting something like exploding eyeballs, so it was a pleasant surprise. Right. Exploding eyeballs followed by the strangulation by the antenna, as, mm-hmm. as Ron mm-hmm. so well described, and then the murder spree of all murder sprees. With Dime Store Barney Fife, um, first off, when he turns the gun around, that okay. I just want to tell you, if you've seen Halloween Kill, you've seen a much better version of the same gag because Michael Myers kicks a woman in the arm and she shoots herself in the head. The same kill is in this movie. And I will not be denied. I think David Gordon Green thought about this. and was like, we just need to have Michael Myers do that to Ricky Caldwell killing from the second side. <laughs> I, I I would have no doubt that uh, David Gordon Green has seen Sound Like Daily Night too. You know Danny McBride has, at least. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I always I assumed Chip would just get like his head mashed in the the hood of the car, like you know the thing where you slam the head in the, the thing and it explodes. I didn't expect the exploding eyeballs. I I did clap like a circus seer, uh, circus seal, and cheer at that, but you know that's just me. 
I mean, it was a good, it was a good kill. And then Jennifer goes, goes down and that's where Ricky just loses it. And the, the shooting spree of all shooting sprees. Now I didn't do a full count on the weaponry, but I'm like, okay, so one went in the deputy then one on the rando dude on his porch, then garbage day, which is, <laughs> that is some like commando level Gola Globus mission in action kill. Like that was, that was precious, Ron. I was like, I, I know wonderful. Ron enjoyed that. And then we shoot the, the radiator of the pinto for it to explode he did shoot the pinto three times he did and Lindsay, we just watched fast and furious (laughs) jump i was like oh it's just like the end of fast and furious it is i have comments on that if you want that please please no the the main one is uh brian said and i wouldn't he would know a little better than me but he goes no security guard or police officer is armed with anything strong enough to do that to a car <laughs> i was like even in the 80s and he goes any any time no never. especially in the 80s yeah. <laughs> yeah that um that gun weighed at least a third of what that man's body weight was that 357 is a yeah. huge weapon and i mean that was the murtaugh pistol just for you leave the weapon fans out there and that's what he had um but i i i could spend 20 minutes talking about garbage today and just how amazing <laughs> that is and I, i've never heard the commentaries of it i know there is one for this i won't spring for the blu-ray to, to listen to it but i've got to know if there's any insight into we're gonna make the most elaborate death just the random guy with the trash can for a reason they had to have no idea that that would become a thing and apparently eric freeman didn't know he was a meme until somebody showed it to him years and years <laughs> after the fact he was like people want to talk about this <laughs> he was sort of blown away by his fame and fandom I was really excited to see that part because I've heard it so many times from you guys and from Ryan, who's been on Filmstrip before and a number of other people. And I've seen all the memes. And so when I finally saw it in context, it, uh, you know, it it was everything I hoped it would be. I was going to ask, did you have any frame of reference for what that was from at all? I, well, I knew I knew what movie it was from. Um, I knew like the reference, but in context of the movie, I had no idea, you know, like how absolutely random it was. <laughs> and um, yeah, it uh, it worked for me. I give I give Garbage Day two thumbs up. <laughs> Garbage Day is a large pop. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about the rest of it later, but the garbage day definitely that, that eight seconds of cinema glory. <laughs> now I wonder. I do. I would be interested in hearing the commentary. Was that scripted or like? I don't, I like, don't know. I don't, Ron, <laughs> what was the direction behind that? Into this because I have no idea. I have absolutely no insight into this because I do not want to kill the magic. What I can tell oh, you is, yeah, is what I can tell you is that Eric Freeman has maintained since he. Um, allowed himself to be found again and mm-hmm. started to show up the screenings of this movie. He maintains that they told him to do that acting. He he says that they told him to just be as hammy as he can, probably because they needed to make up for the lack of, you know, actual content in the movie. <laughs> I mean, I can believe it because it, it's, it's so over the top, uh, but it's also, 
oddly perfect for it too because if you played it any other way like i don't think it would work like this movie barely <laughs> works anyway but like if he's not doing that there's nothing to watch like just to be honest this is boring as hell he's yeah if, all that stuff. if mm-hmm. he's not being malevolent bruce mccullough from kids in the hall then there's absolutely <laughs> nothing happening in this movie Yes, no in spite of the blatantly crazy kills and all the effects like i said they blew the effects budget between the umbrella guy and all of this right here because they don't have any money the rest of the movie for anything you can tell because there's no well as i bemoaned in the plot summary how do you chop a nun's head off and there's no blood on the habit so but uh yeah um I yeah I I was like I say th- this whole scene is amazing and um, then like you say he's he's just gonna shoot himself by the cops who of course he's out of bullets but I didn't do a count but I think like I think it's like a Halloween two situation where he got off an extra shot than should be allowed in that pistol and uh, I think there were seven or eight in that one but I can't remember but uh, completely but it's it's uh it doesn't matter because if it's wrong then it's even better um, I can I, only uh, think of six which might be the only way this movie has any bearing on the real world. I mean, yeah, it doesn't even matter if it's real or not. I just kind of, in my head, I'm like, did he fire? I'm doing the dirty Harry. Did he reverse fire six or seven times? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm convinced they were, they were doing a riff on dirty Harry with him. Like they told him like, be Clint Eastwood. Cause he's kind of being Scott Eastwood. You have to ask yourself, is it garbage day? <laughs> i mean that's perfect (laughs) but we get back after all of this where ricky is like oh sorry doc time's up and we realize he's killed the doctor uh because he's thrown not yafit kodo out of the uh, room twice who's supposed to be there to protect him against the crazy uh uh, white boy and uh, that that guy had to leave for his dandy glover lessons jay Oh boy, you know, he had a little bit of that going on too. I mean, it was um, also a little bit of uh, Eric LaSalle's uh, soul glow from uh, coming to America <laughs> was going on with that guy. There was, there was a lot of things going on with that dude. Um, he, had, he was three different horror movie characters at once. And yes, coming to America is a horror movie. I will argue with that with anyone. <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, R- Ricky's going to go on the the spree now so he kills salvation army santa steals his costume the phone booth and like the whole wall scene y'all i don't know if you've ever seen it but airplane two uh has um dead striker in a mental hospital and it seems like the same set for the zucker brothers movie i swear it is if you go look at that wall it's probably a hollywood wall but i'm offended maybe they got a discount I'm offended that you think I haven't seen Airplane 2 50 times, Jay. I, was, I, I knew you would have seen Airplane. I didn't know if you'd seen Airplane 2. And so that's a special kind of place right there. They showed Airplane 2 more than Airplane on Showtime. I watched it every time it was on. Lindsay, just for the record, have you, have you seen Airplane or Airplane 2? I have not seen Airplane 2, I don't think. I I'm, I say that because I'm sure there was a time when I was younger that it was on TNT or something. And, you know. Do you remember William Shatner on a moon base not playing Captain Kirk? Because that'll tell you if you've seen Airplane 2 or not. I'm going to go with no on that. Okay. Even if I've seen it, I remember nothing about it. So oh, it'd be one of those things like Devil's Advocate where I'll watch it decades later and be like, oh, yes, I, know. I have seen this movie before. 
I, I'm, t- I'm telling you, it is, uh, it's, that scene is worth a revisit. It may be some of Shatner's best Shattering ever. Um, maybe outside of Star Trek V. But, uh, oh, it really is. Cool. It really is some top tier Shatner. It really is. Per- and he knows it too, which is the part. <laughs> oh, it is great. But no, um, yeah, it's, it's the, uh, it's the scene outside of that hospital. So he goes after Mother Superior. And I do love the fact that the, the obviously, like, this was the movie they wanted to get to. Ricky's going after Mother Superior. And I love how she's watching the Christmas parade on her little black and white TV and somehow senses the evil is coming for her. Right. And he does a whole shining Jack Nicholson routine with her with the axe in the door, like through like three doors. Like they, they spend some time like setting that up. They clearly like, we're going to recreate that. I, the only thing he didn't do was here's Johnny, like with a here's Ricky. And probably because they thought they'd get sued, which is great hubris because nobody was going to watch this movie. (laughs) They could have been sued. When she when she pushed that what was it like a dresser or something up against the door, mm-hmm. my first question I just said out loud, what, how did how did this old lady in a wheelchair push that up against the door? And Brian goes, how did she get up the stairs? And I was like, right. oh my god, you're right. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I'm sure they carried her up there like Norman Bates and said, "Fuck you," and left her there. <laughs> I was like, is there a lift? So we're like, I'm looking for a lift on the stairs. And no, there's nothing. It's no, like, there's no lift. There's nothing. I, yeah. I All I can think of, maybe go with your theory, Lindsay. She's an evil nun. So she was using her satanic demon powers to move that table. Or like one of her, you know, like Cretans or so, you know, maybe she'd get carried up the stairs, you know? Right, right. I mean, it's, it's a great standoff between the two of them but i love how even to the end mother superior is not (laughs) backing down you need to be punished you need to take your punishment and i was like lady you are gonna die so hard right now and you have no idea and she has like a little bread knife that's what she grabbed a bread knife Mm -hmm. that will do nothing there's no sharp point there you just saw his finger off I'm not certain of it, but I can only guess when it came time to do the scene, they're like, where's the prop knife? We don't have one. Go to catering and grab whatever's on the table. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have a catering buddy. Yeah, we do. My wife brought sandwiches yesterday. So (laughs) I just grabbed whatever was there. But uh, I, we get the jump cut, though, because he's swinging the axe. You don't know what's going to happen. I kept waiting for Ricky to get shot, like, with the axe in the air. We, I knew that happened, but I thought I didn't know. that I had forgotten that he killed Mother Superior. But, like, what a clean, like, perfect head chop. And, again, there's no blood anywhere because there's no money for it. But, really, there's no. she's so evil, she doesn't even have blood anymore, y'all. Like, that's what we're led to believe about Mother Superior. They had to reuse Which that is- nun costume several times, Jay. They couldn't get any blood on it. And then it had to go back to Uh, uh, the novelty shop. Right. Yeah. It was, it was definitely on a lease with an option to buy like Fletch. (laughs) There there was no keeping those full, Steve. Um, And maybe her Donald Pleasance makeup too. Like that had to go back to. I think like there was still a little part of me because there was that cutaway. I was like, Oh, Maybe she did murder him, and this is where we find out that she has all of these, you know, evil powers. Because at this point, as you know, I've already rewritten the entire movie. Right. So, but yeah, then her head fell off. 
And I thought, wow, he had a lot of time to clean up and really make this look nice. He wanted that other nun to find. I think that's supposed to be the nice nun from the first movie, though it's mm-hmm. never really called out. But, um, I mean, clearly played by very different people. But at this point, they already know that you know that, so they don't care. And they're just rolling with it. Um, the cops show up. I love that that Mother Superior gets like an entire SWAT team basically to come in there and check out what's happening to her. Like one cop, maybe, but no, like no, yeah. The Michael Myers wipes out a street of people, and there's maybe four cops. One dude in a Santa suit goes after a nun, and the whole team shows up. It's like an episode of Hunter or something. Maybe she paid off the police. I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> loving your whole like rewrite of this. Like, they, they should really contact you for this recut. Or, They're or really we, on our side. We go forward with the Silent Night, Daily Night 666 idea. Well, I think though, I mean, I'm saying, yeah, maybe, you know, they've, her web, her web travels very far. Who knows? I'm sure it's, you know, in the police force. But even if it's not, I feel like if you're that high up in the Catholic Church and if you are a very well-known mother superior, mm-hmm. I think people go to great lengths to, you know, make sure you're protected. Or go to great lengths to hide your secrets. Now it's a that Dan too. Brown novel. So. I've probably read – well, I have Or it's read just the Magdalene sisters. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Two things. You, have you read all the Dan Brown novels you said? Lindsay? Um, not all of them. I I don't know if I've. I'm sure he's written f- way more since I stopped reading them. But I've read a lot of them. Oh, I feel he's like written nice. two novels from the time we've taken to record this podcast. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, I, all I know is one of those Tom Hanks with the mullet movies is coming in our future in 2023. That's that's gonna happen yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. No, I read. Um, I read Angels and Demons was my first one, and I read it while I was in Italy. So. It was really cool because I was like oh. in all of the places that he was writing about. So that's the one where you and McGregor is like in the priest, right? And that the that one. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. Obi Wan Kenobi, Father Obi Wan, mm-hmm. uh, as, as I called him at the moment. But yeah, that'll be. Um, oh yeah, I remember that one because there's this whole like. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah, and then he had a bunch of others after like Inferno, and then there was Da Vinci Code before. So I read the yeah. first four. Whatever those were, I can't remember. Only thing I remember about Inferno is that uh, um, the opening scene and with the actor that I really like, Ben Foster, and that's all I remember. But um, yeah, oh wow, okay, well to revisit it another time. But yes, mm-hmm. I, I can go with you on the 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 Catholic nun. Maybe has the the reach to get that kind of pull. But uh, yeah, uh, old Ricky's there and he's ready to to swing some more axes, but he gets shot a lot. They did save a little bit of blood for the shots. There was some good squibs. I, I got to say, for a movie that had run out of money at that point, that that was pretty good. That that wasn't half bad. Oh, this isn't where they they ran out of money. They shot this first. Okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe the nun decapitation was where they had run out of money. But uh, yeah, the yeah. nun decapitation in this scene is where they spent uh, like half their two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Most of it was to rent that uh, the hot rod that Chip's driving. Yes, that that Mustang. Oh yes. yeah, and the motorcycle. I didn't notice what kind of motorcycle it was that Ricky was riding, but yeah. they didn't let you. I feel like it's not cheap. They didn't let you get a good look at it because uh, they they couldn't get a motorcycle sponsorship. Mm. 
Makes sense. <laughs> definitely kept that one under the wraps. But, but I love that we end on this stinger, right? That is he dead? Is he not? No, his eyes open. We, you know, the nun wakes up next to the decapitated nun. And because I don't think we'll ever do part three and four. Yes, he does survive the character and goes <laughs> forward, but in much different forms. So. Bullshit. We won't do parts three and four. You got to have something for next Christmas. <laughs> oh, oh, I've already got plans for next Christmas, but, uh, but we'll get there next Christmas. But yeah. Next um, Christmas, you killed a nun. We shot you three times and you ran away. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> Keep it going, yes. No, I can eat your heart out. I have to stop there because if I go any further, we're going to have to write the state of Wham a check. <laughs> also true. Oh, my. Well, I mean, the the uh, the movie has ended. Santa is, is uh, dead, but it ain't over yet because it's time to give final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So what are yours for Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2, Lindsay? Oh, wow. Well, I still maintain that Garbage Day gets a large popcorn. Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, however, <laughs> I got to go with the small... I I debated giving it something a little less. I mean, it is it is Christmas trash in its finest, I think. Like there is something and I had so much trouble trying to explain this. There is something weirdly satisfying about watching something so terrible. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because we enjoy the banter that comes after. But so, yeah, I could absolutely see myself watching it again. But as a movie as a whole and every part of it that makes it up between the acting and the special effects and the writing and <laughs> everything else, I'm going to I got to go with a large part, not a large popcorn. Wow. I've got to go with a small popcorn on this one, guys. But uh, it was it was a good ride. Okay, more rewatchable, this or The Toy Maker? I would rewatch The Toy Maker first. I liked five better. All right, all right. Ron? Okay, so the first time I watched this movie to write my review for my old website, I hated it. I was just so mad that I paid money to rent a thing that was <laughs> basically half of another movie, just repackaged. And then, you know, like 35 minutes of original material, I was just so mad. However, I've come back to watch it like five times since then, if not more. Every year or two, I will pick this up and watch it. So I can't give it a small popcorn. I'm going to go with a medium popcorn because. To me, this is the kind of weird, insane movie that grows on you, if only for the, uh, uh, what's his name, Eric Freeman performance. Mm -hmm. Like, watching him is like discovering some sort of new animal. <laughs> and like, watching it, like, in its natural habitat. It's just like, okay, what, what would happen if we took this Sumatran rat monkey and we threw it in the zoo? And let's figure out what happens. <laughs> That's I feel like that's what I'm watching. Like just it, Nicolas Cage likes to talk about his nouveau sh uh, shamanic acting style, 
Well, he's got nothing on Eric Freeman because this guy just goes for it. And whatever it is, we don't know. But he goes for it. I'm so glad you referenced Nicolas Cage, by the way, because I recently just rewatched the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man not long after seeing this. And I was like, oh, there's there's they're brothers. (laughs) See it. So what kept you coming back to keep watching it if you hated it so much the first time? I don't really know. Uh, Mostly the garbage day. (laughs) Like the garbage day meme would just come back into my head and I'd be like, you know what? I should watch that movie again. And then I'd turn on Tubi because, of course, Tubi. It would Mm -hmm. be on there for free. Or I'd turn it on and shudder. They don't have Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 or Christmas Evil, but they got Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. So I'll watch that one and, you know, so on and so forth. It just kept showing up uh, for free on things. And I'll be sitting there, (laughs) you know, nothing else to do. It's like, yeah, sure. Okay. It's this or a Hallmark movie. Let's rock and roll. Oh, I'd 100% (laughs) watch this over a Hallmark movie every second of the day. No question. That that new Lindsay Lohan Christmas Netflix trash. I'll watch that. I'll watch that one too, Jay. Let's talk about it sometime. Yeah, that's It's like they spent $5 million to make an unauthorized Lifetime movie. Yes, it is. And wasted all $5 million of it. Because uh, I've seen a lot better Lifetime movies. Well, you know, I, I again, I discovered this one long after it, it was a thing. But I have to say, there may not be another series that completely reinvents itself nearly every chapter that it has like silent night deadly night does i mean the first one is basically its own thing and then the second one is just half the first one again with you know some cheapness and and eric freeman's caterpillar self on it and then the third one is i mean i think uh there's like a whole mental ward thing in a hospital and ricky's walking around with a lawnmower at one point robert culp's in it it's crazy Uh, so it's almost a lifetime movie just for that and then the fourth one uh, is where Ron Howard's brother shows up and there's a glow worm and <laughs> some satanic sorority witches. And then there's, you know, Geppetto in the fifth one. So this this series is is pretty bonkers. And um, I, 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 Garbage Day is large popcorn territory all the way. And maybe if I just watched that on a loop, it would be enough. Um, I thought to myself, I was like, what would it be like to just watch this movie without any of the Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 stuff cut in it? If you just listen to him talk, and then all this murder happened for 45 minutes. What would it be like? And it would be rather unsatisfying because there would be nothing really to frame any of it. it. It wouldn't work and all that. But it is a completely hilarious piece of trash. And the reason I keep coming back to it is because I know it's so bad. And I just have all these questions like, how did we get here? And like, how did you do Because the the edict was just cut the other one up. And and we'll resell it, which you could have done. Like that could have been done, but they they decided to try to do something. And the hubris that that takes is the kind of thing that just drives me as a person. I'm like, that's just pure creativity. When you're so in your own bag that, like, no, I can make something out of and I deadly night too. I'm like, one of these days, I'm going to break down and have to get the disc just to hear that commentary because I I just must know if there are explanations to any of this stuff, but. No, it's a small bot court all the way. And I got to say, I, 
as far as rewatchability goes, I kind of join you, Lens. I think the fifth one's more fun to revisit because it is just so bonkers and off the wall. But this one has some of the best moments ever with the, <laughs> with the eyebrow dancing and, and Garbage Day and, you know, again, the non-Russell McCain, <laughs> James Cameron lifestyles <laughs> of the art and nakedness uh, sex scene that they have going on. Because there's nothing titillating about it. It's just hilarious. It's like, do these people even know what they're supposed to be doing in this scene? No. Um, you know, and I don't know. It's, it's just funny. But uh, I, I have a blast thinking about this. And, and it is one of those things that, like, at holiday time, I'm I'm probably going to going to come back to it just because it's something good to have on and like you say ron Tubi is our friend it's always got this and i think the third and the fourth one like right there after it so if you want your silent night daily night fix you got it right there so small popcorn for me but overall a fun experience nonetheless and always fun talking about it with you guys here on film strip we're wrapping up yet another year of this podcast i can't freaking believe it we're still doing this stuff and <laughs> uh, and it's about what brian says we actually do good movies from time to time too we have a lot of fun when we do the trash stuff too and uh it's it's always fun. i feel like we do need to turn around and do like you know citizen kane or something now but, um, <laughs> but uh maybe not like the trash <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like like good the good trash to get us going ron what do you got going on over at dinner geek now that walking dead is is no moss um, uh, the, the next thing I believe I've got going on is Snowpiercer, uh, for what's going to end up being the final season of that because of the regime change at Warner brothers. Um, but which is sad, but other than that, I, I don't really have anything lined up for quite some time. So Snowpiercer, if you like that, and I'm sure I'll talk about the, the mini walking dead, uh, sequels, prequels, and requels that are going to be coming up too. Cause uh, you know, if you write about something for 12 years or 11 seasons and 200 something episodes or 170 something episodes, you kind of stick with it because it's what you know. So mm-hmm. if they let me do that, I'm just going to keep doing that until they stop making Walking Dead things. Then then I'll be up a creek. Yeah, but well, they're not going to do that anytime soon. Still makes money. That's for sure. So, <laughs> well, folks, you can always follow what's going on with this show filmstrippodcast.com that'll take you to all of our distribution links and look i hear you i don't know why it takes two days for the apple feed to get uploaded we upload the show early i listen to it on spotify or go to anchor i don't know what to tell you i've asked apple and they basically told me since you're not joe rogan we don't care and so it, it'll get there i promise you but please subscribe uh and uh and let us know what you think of the show leave us a review you can follow the show on its various social media outlet outlets now filmstrip pod um, we're on uh, what's left of Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, we're on something called Hive, which I don't know what that is, but Ron runs that, and Mastodon, and I don't know. We don't have a TikTok yet. We probably don't need one, uh, but uh, you know, maybe that'll be next in 2023. I, I actually looked into getting us on TikTok, but I don't know what it is or how to do it, and I'm not going to learn any dances, so no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're going to do dances, then we got to do Suspiria, but uh, that's another day on Donahue, as it were. Oh, please. Can, can we do Suspiria? <laughs> I saw Claudio Simonetti uh, uh, play the soundtrack to Suspiria live in a, a basement of a bar. It was awesome. Okay, yeah, we're definitely doing that one now sometime in the future, along with you know, good movies and also other not good movies. <laughs> <laughs> along the way but again folks it's always fun talking about it and we appreciate your support listening to the show all these years we're still chopping it up having a good time talking movies so for Lindsay and ron i'm jay happy holidays everybody and have a great one from film 
thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.